This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. So, Ed, so much going on in the world. Let's start on the sort of geopolitical, geoeconomic front, the trade war. Are you seeing any blowback through your business from that? Not in a material way. We're we're seeing some effects, particularly in Asia. Uh, They tend to be more around our big corporate customers, automotive you know, manufacturing that that are not seeing the the same type of demand for their products, so they're pulling back some of their spend and, and travel patterns. But Asia for us is one of the smaller regions within our total revenue pie, and uh, we're not we're not seeing a wide. We're watching it you know, right. carefully, but we're not seeing a major a major you know, decline. And so, on a week like this, when you see yet another geopolitical issue in the Middle East, obviously disruption in the oil market. How does that play through, if at all, for you in terms of your fuel costs, in terms of your hedging strategies, any elements that are sort of popping up there? Well, it's a reminder of of how volatile uh, the the business climate, the environment in which we operate. Uh, that said, you know we're already seeing fuel prices start to moderate. You know after the the spike over the weekend, uh, we've built our business to be sustainable at much higher fuel prices than sixty five dollars Brent, which is where it's trading today. Mm-hmm. So we're on the front end of that, uh, anticipating uh, what we might face in terms of future future challenges. But from a revenue durability standpoint, a balance sheet perspective, we think we're pretty well situated. So let's talk about your investors. You know, you have won a lot of plaudits from your customers, and there are some investors who are very much on board. And by certain measures, the stock is done very well. But by other measures, it it feels a little bit stagnant, uh, dare I say it. Uh, What's the street missing? Well, I think it's it's a prove-it story. You know, our, our largest investor, uh, Warren Buffett, he, he owns 11% of, of Delta. I think he has a great line it's about our industry. We were like the Chicago Cubs of the of the business world. You know, we didn't have a bad decade; we had a bad century. Yeah. And uh, we're we're on a different different platform now. We've you know the last 10 years, we've really invested in the fundamentals of running a great airline with reliability and performance and service levels unseen in Delta's history and candidly within the industry as a whole in terms of scale. That's been been rewarded by our customers with customer satisfaction scores and brand loyalty and preference at levels we've never seen before, which we're taking back and continuing to reinvest in the customers, reinvest in our airports and our technologies, while at the same time generating you know meaningful free cash flow. I think that's the other thing the investors historically have not seen from the airlines. While the airlines may have performed at certain periods of time, they also spent back mm-hmm. what they what they made. On, on labor, on technology, on, on, on capital and, and fleet. We're, we're doing that, but we're also you know, returning a meaningful amount. So this year at Delta, we expect to make over $5 billion for the fifth year in a row in terms of profits, but we'll also have free cash flow delivery this year of over $4 billion. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that performance and that consistency of performance over time is rewarding. And, and I, I do think that, that investors will, will stay with us and, and hopefully see, see improvements in the PE. 
So there has been a bit of a divergence, it feels like, across the global airline industry. You feel like it feels like you're, you're one of the haves. There may be some have-nots out there. Are, are we going to see some more consolidation, and, and will you participate in that? I, I don't think you'll see consolidation in a meaningful way in the U.S. You may see it in, in, in it's maybe other, other parts mm-hmm. of, the, of the airline market, not necessarily participating relative to Delta. Internationally, I do think you'll see. Yeah. Uh, Europe, you're already seeing it. You're seeing bankruptcies in Europe in terms of some of the European carriers. I think you'll continue to see some consolidation trends there. Uh, so on the on the global scene, uh, that's where we've been investing. We've invested in a number of our partners, right. and really not consolidation. It's more to have influence within within our our global network of of carriers. Uh, you'll see more of that from Delta potentially, but I don't think on the U.S. side you'll see that. And what do those partnerships tend to look like now, and and what might they look like in the future, either geographically or are there new and different things that that you can try to sort of create that that family, as it were? Sure. Well, you know, one of the things I think that as not been successful in the airline world are the alliances. You know, we we I'm self-critical of Sky Team Alliance. I don't think we've we've brought a lot of great value to customers. I don't think we've brought a lot of great value to our member airlines. And we're going at this thing in a very different approach. We're going at it through Delta, making bilateral investments right. in the most important partners. We own 49% of Virgin Atlantic. We own 49% of Air Mexico, the two closest carriers to us on either side of the, of, of the country. Uh, we're invested in Air France KLM. We've invested in Korean. We've invested in China Eastern. We've invested in gold down in Brazil. And as a, as a consequence, what you see is you see this network of influence that we're having within those companies. So those companies want to know what, what Delta has learned about operational efficiency and prowess and, and premium. We want to learn what it takes to win in right. those local markets. And then over time, while we can't own them in terms of whole-owned consolidation, we can have meaningful enough investment that we create an international network of carriers that will be uniquely tied where you have Delta as, as the centerpiece. That, that's our goal. And when you think about the long term, uh, you know, to think of Delta today, we, we serve 200 million customers a year. Right. If you add the, the customers from all those carriers I just mentioned, you're up to over 500 million customers a year that we serve. There's never been an airline network and an air, airline you know, combination, you know, forget consolidation, that delivers that kind of value across geographies. We have an opportunity to create that. And so do you have people knocking on your door at this point saying, yeah, why don't you come over and uh, sprinkle some of that magic dust on me? There's, 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 there's a, lot of, a lot of questions going on and, yeah. and conversations at all times. And you know, we, answer, we answer every knock. That that occurs. Some we answer, some we some we say no, we can't we can't do that. But there's there's a there's 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 a a strategy here that's unique mm-hmm. within the industry. The other groups are not doing that, and I think it's going to be an advantage for Delta. So let's talk about your customers, both business and consumer. And you talked a little bit about it. it I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like a little bit of weakness maybe from a business perspective from the global or from the Asian market sort yeah. of overall. Um, generally, businesses, it feels like, are a little bit cautious right now globally, maybe for geopolitical uh, reasons. We certainly hear that through earnings reports from from big companies. What do you see from your business customers? I see a healthy U.S. consumer. Okay. Uh, we, we know the U.S. consumer drives 70% of the U.S. economy and consumer demand is very, very healthy in the U.S. We just finished the busiest summer in our history by a meaningful amount. Uh, Revenues this year are up 7% year on year, which they were up 
also the year prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are with, within the Fortune 100. We are in the top quartile of growth companies within the Fortune 100, and we've been there the last couple of years. People don't expect Delta to be seen at that level of growth. We're seen as a mature company. I think we're seeing we're seeing a lot of growth in in travel and. The preference to the Delta brand specifically within the travel space is growing at unprecedented levels. Uh, summer, you know, was great. Uh, the the forward look on the holidays looks strong. Uh, we don't have a crystal ball that goes out much beyond the sure. curve of our customers, uh, but we watch we watch uh, all the tea leaves. We see what's happening in, in retail. We see what's happening in in other other sectors of the economy. Corporate corporate demand still very strong. Again, you had some pockets around around automotive and manufacturing and some of the industrial segments. Yeah. There some weakness that are affected by the geopolitical climate, but broadly speaking, financial services, uh, service-based you know, uh, industrials or, or companies rather, are, are are providing a lot of growth, and, and we're seeing uh, we're seeing meaningful growth in those segments as well. What worries you for the consumer right now as you look around? You know, the the, the thing I worry most about is that everyone gets obsessed with wondering when the next recession is going to occur, and we talk ourselves into it. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I do. Because yeah. it's about consumer confidence. Right. Right? And uh, the, the consumers are doing well. Uh, unemployment's at, at record uh, low levels. I think people are, are, are seeing a lot of opportunity in the marketplace. Uh, we got a new economy. You've got winners and losers that are be, being created at a faster pace than ever before. So that disruptive end element, and I think we, you know, the, you know, the, we all have to understand what's, what's happening within that. But the consumers are getting great value. Right. Uh, airfares are Delta. One of the reasons we're growing as an industry is fast. Airfares are down 40% in real dollars over the last 20 years. And so you think about that, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And every year they go, they, they decline by another one to two points. And so that's another reason why the travel industry is booming the way it is. So take me inside the plane. You know, I'm a loyal Delta customer. I've been for, for many years. I've grown up in Atlanta. Uh, I've seen, you know, pretty massive changes, especially over the last uh, few years in your plane and and just sort of the services, what what do you feel like as you look back over the past couple iterations? What's really worked? What hasn't worked in terms of things that consumers especially have said, okay, I really like that. Do more of that. Well, the biggest thing that's worked is a is is the core reliability. Of, of, of the product. You know, we are we have set a much higher set of consumer expectations of Delta than ever before. Our on-time reliability, our cancellation rates are, are, are as low. We've, we've got a goal to cancel cancellations because we know that's probably the biggest stress point for consumers. And we're, we're well on our way. This past year, 250 days of the year, we did not have a cancellation worldwide. Wow. Um, it's, so so we're, we're raising the bar. And when you have that platform of, of strength up there, then I, it gives you the opportunity then to, to get more more adventurous, you know, to whether it's in where we fly, how we fly, our technology, our digital innovation that we're bringing. Uh, you hear great things about the, the Fly Delta app, and it's working because more customers than ever before are booking on Delta. Almost 50% of our U.S. travel is booked direct on Delta. Just just five years ago, that number was less than half of that. So that, so that tells you that we've got a lot of trust, we've got a lot of preference, we've got a, a personalized service that people want to see. Um, there's certainly things that we're experimenting with catering and meals, and I think everybody's got their views. Some things work, some things don't. Right. We, we, uh, you know, one of the things we've we've introduced over the last year is pre-ordered yeah. meal meals, and your chance to go in and, and select your entree, and and hopefully it'll it'll taste as good as it looks on the on that screen. So when you think about you know sort of the moment we're in in, in 2019, it feels like we're also thinking about consumption and sustainability and 
all of our personal and sort of corporate carbon footprints, for, for lack of a better term. What do you see happening in the short term and the midterm when it comes to your industry in terms of new planes, new designs, and, and how do you get your arms around that, both from a buying perspective and, and a CapEx perspective, I guess? Yeah, well, sustainability is, is, I think that's one of the existential threats to our industry if we don't get out in front of that. Uh, we're doing much more in that realm than we give ourselves credit as an industry and as Delta specifically. You're going to hear us talk, you hear me specifically talk more and more about that because I think our consumers need to hear mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's a bigger issue today in Europe, but it, it's coming here to the U.S. as well. You know, one thing we did on the sustainability level, uh, Jason, is we froze our f- carbon footprint in 2012 and said all growth from that point forward was going to be carbon neutral. And we've done that. We have grown this airline 25% since 2012 without increasing our carbon footprint at all. Now, that, that's, that's a great statement. There's more to be done in that regard. Long term, we want to reduce our overall footprint by 50%, but we had to stop the, stop the growth. Uh, ways we're doing it is exactly what you said. Uh, new, new engine technology, new airplanes that are lighter, that are more composite-based. Every plane that we put in the service is 25% more fuel efficient than the planes we take out. And fuel is 98% of our pr- footprint is, is jet fuel. We're investing in, in biofuels at, at, a, at a heightened pace. We are the only airline that owns its own refinery. So we have, we have some energy technology and expertise within the space. We announced just the other day uh, you know, in the Pacific Northwest uh, uh, a recycling venture that we're working on where we take forest debris and try to bring the rosin and, and, and uh, manufacturing process to, to produce biofuel, which we think, if works, could, could generate up to 10% of, of our jet fuel needs on the West Coast using biofuels, you know, which are today very uneconomical right. to, to, to operate within. We're, uh, we're investing in, in elimination of single plastics uh, aboard our, our aircraft and in our lounges. We've got the electrification of our ground service equipment in many airports that mm-hmm. we're working in. So there's, there's a lot we're doing. And then on top of that, you know, we're also purchasing carbon offsets to the extent that we're not offsetting enough through, the, the, through organic means. We're going out and buying and investing in sustainable mm-hmm. renewables in other parts. And by the way, our, our customers can also join us on the journey. Right. Every customer, to the extent that they want to offset their personal footprint, can go on our website as they purchase a ticket and see what their footprint is and what it would cost to offset it. And we'll, we'll, make a, we'll, you know, we'll pass that contribution along to, uh, to, to offset for the individual customer. But, but I think there, there's more that needs to be done. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an issue for uh, employees. You know, employees want to work for, for not just a great company, but a great company that does great things. And, right. and this is an issue for the future. And if we're going to grow, we have to grow sustainably. And we can't grow sustainably if we're, if we're depleting the resources of our planet. Well, let's talk a little bit about your employees. You're down there in Atlanta, robust growing market. Uh, how hard is it for you to sort of get the people you need sort of a- across the board at we're, this point? We're, we're having great success. Uh, our hiring brand has never been stronger. Mm. Uh, we just announced a couple of weeks ago that we're hiring a thousand flight attendants, you know, to come into uh, Delta over the next few months. We had over a hundred thousand applicants for those one thousand positions just in two weeks. 
so it's almost too much. Um, you know, uh, pilots were, were hiring uh, pilots, uh, getting you know again, you know, ten to twenty x the number of applicants, qualified applicants mm-hmm. to the actual individuals. Uh, this year we'll hire somewhere between five and seven thousand people in all walks around Delta, whether it's pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, airport agents, technologists, uh, knowledge workers. We're, we're a growing company. We're growing our top line by seven percent, and mm-hmm. we need to continue to expand our skills to be able to support that growth. So let's talk a little bit about your job. What's the what's sort of the biggest thing on your plate right now when you think about sort of long-term strategy as you parse out a day or a week, what are you spending a, a maybe a disproportionate amount of your time thinking about? I always spend a disproportionate amount of my time spending about thinking about our people. Yeah. Our people are the key to everything we do. Uh, if, I, if I'm to be self-critical of the company 15 years ago when we were in, in uh, the bankruptcy process in a very difficult time, it's because the company lost its relationship, lost its, 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 its mean, the meaning of what that service meant and the values and the special, the special uh, uh, advantage that we have having the great Delta team that we have on the property. So whether it's making sure we're hiring the, the very best, you know, we hire not just for, for aptitude, but we hire for attitude and, 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 and what it means in terms of having a heart for service, uh, keeping them engaged, keeping us with us on the journey. I'm, I'm speaking in all, all forums, whether it's in a galley of, a, of an aircraft sitting in coach, right. on board the plane, in the cockpit, in the airports, uh, town hall meetings. So there, there's, there's a lot of my energy. And by the way, you know, using video and using all kinds of social media tools to connect to our people. I, I want our people to, to, to think and hear from me what I'm, I, I think, and I'm, I, I'm not afraid to kind of think out loud and let people know what, what's coming down the road and, and the excitement I, that, that, that I sense and what we can do as a team to continue to win that. We've, we've got an employee base that, that, you know, is very transitory. You know, they don't show up, most of them, in an office. Right. You've got to go out and find them. And that's why I travel so much, because I'm out finding them. And was there an aha moment for you in, in this job where you realized, okay, I've got, I've got to dedicate more, more time to this? Was there an interaction? Was there something where it just clicked on? Or was this something that you set out to do from the beginning? I think this is something I've known for easily a decade or more. Again, when, when you go through a near-death experience like we did in the bankruptcy and you see you know, kind of the, the challenges. We, we, had, we had employees taking 50% pay cuts, losing benefits, losing pensions, you know, really heart-wrenching you know, family decisions that were being forced based on our economic duress. The thing that I promised our employees is that when we are profitable, you know, first of all, we're going to share the returns of that. So 15% of our profits to this day go back to our employees. And yeah. this year, we'll, we'll, we'll have over $1.5 billion mm-hmm. that we'll be distributing to our employees on Valentine's Day. But even more importantly, they, 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 they need to see, see a, a very visible leader. They need, they need to understand the leadership. They need to have that relationship because they're out in the front line serving right. customers every single day in the public eye. And they need to know that their management team has their back, that their CEO is going to stand with them. You know, whatever challenge that they have were faced, and they're they're always going to be rewarded for doing the right thing by a customer. Well, and speaking of that visibility, it feels like someone in a job like yours more is expected in terms of social issues. Yeah. You face some of that down in in Georgia and, and in Atlanta. Uh, you know, increasingly CEOs are being called on to sort of take a stand. What do you make of that? I think it's uh, it's inevitable, right? I think when you have some of the dysfunction that's going on in society today when you when you look at you know the 
the uh, what public you know views in terms of politicians. You know, it's kind of at um, record lows in terms of credibility and, and the divisiveness that sits in our political systems. Without without kind of pointing fingers at anyone. By the way, it's not just in the U.S. It's it's worldwide. Um, it's interesting. Corporate leaders have actually risen in, 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 in people looking to corporate leaders to speak into that leadership vacuum. I think you hear politicians, at least certainly privately, telling us, corporate America, you need, you need to lead. You need to, you need to speak. You need mm-hmm. to kind of show the way. And those of us that lead large organizations, Delta 80,000 people worldwide, that, that's, a big, that's a big army of people that, that, that I'm speaking to. I think you have to be careful as to what topics you speak to. Yeah. Uh, you have to know the values of your company, not the values of your person, but the values of your company as to what's relevant. Uh, I'm not looking to be a social activist. I'm not looking to, to change the world. I'm looking to improve Delta and stand by De- Delta's values. Mm-hmm. But if you see something in the world that runs counter to what we believe in and what our mission is, I think we're required to speak. And the other thing that technology and social media has done, it's eliminated the response time. Right. You don't have time to go back and say, let's, let's have a huddle on this topic. Let's, let's call the board and take a pulse. Um, if you, you know, cause you're, you're measured by speed as well as your decision. And, right. and, and, and so it's challenging, you know, as, as a CEO, you know, growing up, I was always trained to, to not be in that position. Right. You don't want to a- antagonize anyone. You want all people of any, of any uh, persuasion to love Delta. Unfortunately, the world's, the world's a little more complicated. And how do you think about the brand? You know, I mean, I think about that this is a brand that has moved more and more into the public, not politically, but just more. I mean, I believe even the, the new Bachelor is a Delta pilot. Right? I mean, so like, how do you sort of uh, sort of get your arms around all the different ways that it may manifest itself in real time? Well, you, well, you have to embrace it. Right. You, can, you got to recognize the world's changing. Um, again, whether it's, it's it's technology, social media, yeah. entertainment. You know, we we are a brand that's out in the consumer eyes. You know, we we live in the world. You know, we're not a brand that. And you're sitting in the you, back of the plane. You're hearing it. Uh, right. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting it every day. Yeah. Right? And and so when you're out in the world and you're experiencing the world and you're a brand that flies, we're not sitting on some store shelf. We're sitting with people. Right. Uh, you know, you have to be dynamic. You have to embrace it and you have to go with it. And by the way, you're not always going to get it right. Right. But you always have a chance to correct it. Right. All right. Just want to ask you a couple more questions uh, sort of about sort of the way, the way you work and, and sort of the way you, you view the company and, and yourself. As you look a, uh, around the industry, who's a competitor that, that you admire? I think Southwest has done a fabulous job. You know, they, they've been very true to their mission. They've they've been very diligent. They, they you know, listen, they've gone over forty years without losing money, uh, which is hard in this business. Yeah. And uh, I admire their execution and their discipline and their focus on their on their on their purpose. All right. So, what's the best advice uh, a mentor, or a boss, or or a friend has given you that you sort of take to heart as you go about doing your job? Well, there's there's been a lot of advice. People give me advice that to, to this day, every day I get I get advice. I think one of the one of the things that has always resonated with me around leadership is that you know you, you need to look at the people you surround yourself with, both in business in in life. Uh, you know, the crowd you keep is going to be largely dic- dic- dictatory of where, where you're going in terms of your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to lead people, make sure you, you have people around you that are bigger than you, that are stronger than you, that are better than you, that, that you're not afraid of, that you can learn from. And you kind of kind of, kind of look, look, to, look to put yourself in position for success for your team and the people you're with. And uh, I tell you, I would not have been nearly as successful in my career if I didn't have some great people, you know, by my side pulling me along. And and you've got you've got to lean into that. You've got to look for those people in your life. Biggest mistake or sort of darkest moment of the past uh, five, 10 years in your job? 
Well, clearly the darkest moments when we filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. I was I was in the courtroom in in, in New York here, and uh, and you talk about a a public admission of failure. There's there's not a more humbling experience than that. And honestly, once you go through something like that. All other failure is relative, right. right? It's like then you fail to 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 get better. You don't you don't you don't you don't fear as much because right. you've already you've already acknowledged that. And I think that's one of the things that that we've been successful. In. We've had a courage about us. Yeah. If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? Anything anything out in the in the world? I'd be a professional baseball player. Really? I'd love to do that. Why is that? That's what I wanted to do as a kid. Yeah. I love I love baseball. I grew up in New York and I was a, I was a Yankees fan. I wasn't great. I wasn't a good hitter. You know, I kind of <laughs> kind of made it to high school and that was about it. Uh but I, I, I just I just love 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 baseball as you know America's pastime. I'm glad to see it's more in a resurgence. Yeah, I think you're, right. you're seeing you're seeing you know, people people talk more about baseball uh, these days. But you got I, a I pretty sport. pretty prominent place at uh, Yankee Stadium, I believe Delta does, yeah, right? There's, there's, there's and down at SunTrust as well, or probably there is. Yeah, yeah. We, we do we do at SunTrust, and uh, you know it's it's kind of Deltaville in in both those parks. Uh, single biggest thing you're excited about for the company looking ahead five ten years? I am so excited what we're doing with our ground experience in our airports. Mm. You know, we're building a new airport at LaGuardia. It's desperately needed. Building a new airport at LA. I think any New Yorker listening or watching this right now can will heartily agree with you on so that. We're going to you know, complete the, the build at JFK that we have. We're, going to, we're building a brand new airport in Salt Lake City. We're building a new international terminal in Seattle. And the, and the terminals that we're building are going to be for the future, not for the past. So you know, using technology and looking forward. You know, the airport infrastructure we have today was built for the 1960s. You know, you know the crowds, the security apparatus. It was it's, it's all backwards. You know, we need we need space by our gates for have people to have a more comfortable boarding experience. You know, in the 1960s, you didn't stop. Uh, you know, you didn't worry about getting to the gate because you were in the lobby and you could you could board. Security wasn't wasn't an issue. You could board. You know, at the last minute. Right. Well, the first the opening door to an airport these days, you know, is really is your security, yeah. and people don't stop in the headhouse. You didn't, but yet all real estate. Is, is centered there, so we got to flip them around, uh, using technology to to enhance the effectiveness and the efficiency of, of security in that whole line. You know, the boarding process. You know, getting customers to believe that with RFID technology, you know, your bags will be there for you when when you arrive. Everyone doesn't need to to arrive with all their bags and, and make the onboard process as as difficult as it can be at times. Um, but our team does a great job. You know, we're we're anticipating customer needs. The other thing I'm really excited by, you know, beyond that next five ten years is the international. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a great opportunity. As I talk about all the seeds we're planting, the investments in our international partners, it's going to take time to, to harvest and take time to learn and take time to, uh, to to really root itself. But over the next decade and beyond, you know, Delta is going to be a, a, a great international airline. We're a great U.S. airline now. I want to be a great international airline. I think we have the opportunity to be that, uh, that airline for our, our U.S.-based consumers. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.